Good morning. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Living God, today's good news is so wondrous, so magnificent, that we struggle to wrap our heads around it. Give our hearts the wisdom to receive that which our heads cannot fully understand. Send your spirit to fill our whole bodies with your resurrection promise. This we pray in your holy and good name. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that your, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant doesn't know what the master's doing. But I've called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, bear fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of God for the people of God. So I'd like to say that because it's Mother's Day, um, uh, a brief little bit of privilege here. Uh, why did the strawberry cry on Mother's Day? Because his mom was in a jam? <laughs> Second piece of privilege, why is the computer so smart? Because it listens to his motherboard. Uh, happy Mother's Day, Mom. So I, I need to say that um, this particular passage is the second half of the chapter that our youth director, Anthony Lavodi, preached on last Sunday. And I want to say he did a great exegetical job. In fact, such a good job that I'm trying to find the pieces that he didn't mention that I might knit together to give a message to you. So remain in my love. That's what we hear Jesus saying in this scripture passage. Remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, it's interesting here that Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. If you haven't caught on yet, John has a serious interest in us knowing about the unity of God, specifically the unity that we find in God the Father and God the Son. Have you noticed lately, maybe it's just me because I've been listening uh, for the last 22 years as a pastor, right? Have you noticed recently that the beginning of the children's sermon prayer does not begin with, Dear God, 
Do you know what it's beginning with right now? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's pretty cool, right? It's very John, right? It's it's very appropriate as we begin thinking about that uh, as the Father has loved Jesus, so Jesus has loved us. I mean, you begin with the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 and 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing came into being without the Word, right? It came through the Word. John's got an issue here, and he's hoping that we pick it up. Uh, In chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, "I I and the Father are one. Chapter 17, in the high priestly prayer, he says, may we be one, even as the Father and I are one. And so Jesus says, remain in me. Now, this particular verb, the Greek verb here that Jesus is using is uh, M-E-N-N-O, and it means to remain, but it's more than just stay here. What the uh, remain in me is saying is make me your home. Because that meno word, that remain word, that abide word, Jesus is saying, if you'll make your home in me, you'll find full joy. That kind of peace and stability that we find at home, that we associate with an ideal home. And let's be honest, that at an an ideal home, a place where you abide, that's a place where you feel comfortable and safe. It's also a place where you have that inner circle of trust and you can tell people about your hopes and your fears. You can tell people about the things that you are vulnerable about. Jesus says, remain in me. I kind of get the image of nesting dolls, right? You know, that kind of matryoshka uh, Russian art form of having little nesting dolls inside each one. And so when Jesus says, I remain in the Father's love, and he invites us to remain in his love, right? It's like this great succession of love that if we're, if we're really getting it, we stay in the middle of. I think it's interesting that this is the third time that Jesus said, remain in my love or obey me. Now, let's be honest. Some of you are sitting next to mom today. Good job, right? Some of you are sitting next to mom because it's the usual spot that you sit on Sunday mornings. Good job. Some of you are sitting next to mom because mom said for Mother's Day, I want you Yeah, you're laughing, right? Some of you are laughing because you are fulfilling the promise. Others of you are are hoping for the promise to happen, right? So this this two kind of, you kind of have to walk with that two-step process of you can't just obey like an automaton. There has to be love extended. Remain in my love. Here we get the third moment when Jesus says to his disciples, Obey me. Obey me. In verse 12, uh, Jesus says, this is my commandment, right? This is kind of like the new commandment that he gave you. This is my commandment, to love one another, 
right? This idea of no greater love hath a man than this. I want to compare the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John, right? The Gospel of Matthew gives you the Sermon on the Mount. Here are all the things that you should do if you want to be a good person. The Sermon on the Mount. John does not see it necessary to outline each piece of how we should help the least, the lost, and the forgotten. Instead, John says, love one another as I have loved you. Be be an agape love kind of person. Uh, We have only one word for love, and back in the Greek culture, they had three words for love, agape, philos, like Philadelphia, um, and eros. We're not going to talk about eros. It's outside the doors for the moment, right? But philos was that friendly love. You think about Philadelphia. It's the city of brotherly love, right? That's that kind of love between friends. And agape is this overwhelming, overabove love for love's sake, And so the argument that's being made here is not that Matthew says, here's all the things you should do, but rather that John says, be an agape person, one who does what is necessary to feed their brother and sister. That that, that, uh, an agape person is one who will do whatever is possible to care for those who are hungry or thirsty or strange or naked or imprisoned. You see, Jesus' conversation about love is not a feeling, but a doing, right? Um, In today's culture, we talk about a feeling when we say, I love you, right? And of course, we use love for everything. I love football. I love the Astros. I love my wife. Okay? I love ice cream. Are you going to laugh? You're going to laugh. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Um, And so we use that love language in such a way that it's almost like we are talking about our feelings for someone else. I imagine in some people's lives, love becomes a manipulative phrase to get their needs met. Do you see the difference between agape love and our kind of love? Agape love is about love for love's sake, love from sacrifice, love because that's what we Oh, our brother and sister in community. But love in this kind of weird Western contemporary way is, um, (laughs) one commentator says that when we say I love you in America, it really means I want you. And I was like, I don't know if I can say that from the pulpit. But then again, I just did. This understanding of love is crucial to how Jesus thinks about discipleship. So much so that Jesus continues to push into this idea of friendship. So you remember in the upper room and here also in this chapter, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. And if you've come in the door of membership here in this church, you've heard me say a number of times that no place do I see in the Gospels Jesus talking about membership. I mean, membership has its privileges. It's really just something we made up for credit cards. But that this idea of a friend, being a, a friend of God, is so different from membership. 
when we decide to be part of a community, a community that we call church, it is a place when we decide we will be friends with everyone, kind of like being part of God's family, and that we will also be friends with God. Now, in Greco-Roman culture, this kind of place and contemporary usage that Jesus is using here, there was a status called a friend of the emperor. And it's, it's kind of like if you've read West Wing, you remember, or not read West Wing, sorry, if you've seen the TV series West Wing, um, you know, Leo McGarry has this office as chief of staff right off the Oval Office. He doesn't have to check in with the secretary to get in. He just walks right in. Being a friend of the emperor meant you could bypass all of those other things. There were senators and military commanders that had coveted being a friend of the emperor. And here Jesus is saying, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. Now, a servant goes and does because the master said, go and do. But a friend, a friend is part of the conversation about why and how and what are the dangers and what will we risk when we go and do that together. Jesus calls us friends. In verse 13, he says, no greater love have a man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Now, I thought this was really interesting. I went back and looked. In verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 16, Thomas says to the other disciples, let's all go, understood to be to Jerusalem, that we may die with him. And the rest of the disciples were like, you know, we're not. And then, you know, later in chapter 13, uh, verse 37, Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And you remember, Jesus is not, not now, no, no, right? But I get it. I thought Jesus was just having like some FOMO, right? Some, do you know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out, right? I thought Peter was having some FOMO. Like, I want to go where Jesus is going. No, Peter was ready. He's like, already, let's go. I'm going to give my life for this. Of course, you know how long that lasted because he denies Jesus three times, not so many chapters later. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. You know, whether you consider yourself a servant or whether you consider yourself a friend, Jesus calls us to bear fruit, and to bear fruit that would last, and to do so in such a way that uh, Jesus's joy might be in us, and our joy might be complete. I want to encourage you on this Mother's Day. It's good. Like, if you're sitting next to mom, good job, right? If you're sitting next to mom under duress, Good job. Um, you know, but what if we thought about where we remain or abide? Where do we live? And, and really, what is our joy? And what is our fruit that lasts? 
It seems like during the time that I've been pastor here, I have been able to watch um, a, a number of very wonderful pillars of this church move on to their reward. I don't want to name the names because sometimes it makes me both sad and happy. There was uh, one person who came up to me after last Sunday in the parking lot and said, this is my last Sunday. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. They said, I raised my children here. You buried my husband here. And now I'm selling my house and I'm going to move closer to my children. And I wanted to say, congratulations. Because wow, a life lived fully. But then I also wanted to say, oh no, it's going to take three of me to make up that, holding up that particular corner of the church, or three of y'all, or maybe four of us together. What is it like for our joy to be complete and for our fruit to last? There is lasting fruit here from a whole generation of people who have abided in Jesus, who have seen themselves uh, loved like a friend and cared for like family. Friends, on this Mother's Day, isn't it wonderful that God gathers us together under God's wings like a mother hen? Let's be sure as we abide in that love that we are seeking uh, to find the joy of Jesus and to see that joy made complete and that the fruit that we leave will be fruit that lasts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.